0: Well, welcome, welcome those of you who are who are online and um, just want to begin by, by alluding to some of the things that Darren said, just how, how appropriate it is that just things were messed up even this morning a little bit. Um, just thinking about 2020, 2020 has been a, a dark year, it's a good picture of it, right, just kind of etched out. All black in the in the background it 's been a, a dark year to start off with such promise. Think about um, how two thousand and twenty was the year of two thousand and twenty vision and uh, you know vision of what what 's lying ahead as we begin a new decade and things are are looking up and everything is so clear and and Then came March and covid nineteen and everything changed um, this year of optimism changed. We saw shutdowns. We saw shelter in places uh, as the virus spread throughout our nation and throughout our world. Many were prohibited from working. Our economy tanked. Unemployment numbers hit record highs. The workforce was forced to stay home. And as a result of of being cooped up at home, there's lots of home and family tensions. There was depression. There was discouragement and overall, even even as of now, um, you know, one of the things I've, I've done is taken data from the CDC, and the numbers they report in the press today are maybe 250,000 people are, are, uh, have died of COVID. That's not quite true. Actually, we've had 400,000 more deaths than normal this year. And uh, so somehow COVID-related, COVID brought on more early deaths and uh, it's a lot. And so, just facing these things, we've begun new habits, like wearing masks, like work at home, um, wearing masks when out in public, at work or school, or stores, just stopping the spread of, of the virus. We, we've, we've learned new words social distancing. But when, when before 2020 did you ever see a line like this? When before 2020 did you ever see a guy wearing one of those things? Looks a little bit like you, Jake. That wasn't you, I don't think. How many of you think it looks like Jake? <laughs> I think it does. But um, we've learned new habits. Wearing masks, staying at home, being antisocial. Events have been canceled. Anywhere where there's a crowd, just they're they're canceled. Sporting events, theater events, conventions, conferences. Wherever a crowd gathers, and, and bigger churches especially, um been canceled. And, and now to us when you when you see a a picture like this, and uh I know the Kaisers would like this picture, if you know them, but you, you see a picture like that, and doesn't it like look strange? Like it it, it kind of feels like like back then somewhere that was the world we were in. We think maybe we remember some sort of world like that it 's a little bit like uh, Narnia when uh, the kids came back into Narnia hundreds of years later and and they, they saw care Paravel and it was kind of like a distant memory that they kind of thought was there, and yet it it wasn 't and, and then they kind of figured it out this this is like the way life used to be in case you forgot and uh, further beyond just uh, COVID-19, our world has faced some uh, racial tensions in our country, have been risen to the surface and and brought up. Uh, We have faced environmental problems of uh, California uh, burning. I know where uh, my in-laws live, where Yvonne grew up, is they talked about there were several days that the ash over their house, and they live pretty in the city, in the suburb area, the ash was so deep that they never saw the sun. Like it was, it was gloomy, dark, like a deep cloud was over everything. And there, it's sunny every day. It's just so deep were the, the fires that were, were there. We have a politically divided America. heard a statistic this week um, that most Americans believe that Biden won the election. However, of Republicans, more than half Republicans believe the election was rigged. So even though the majority of America thinks Biden won, still you got the the Republicans still half of that, more than half of that are are still suspect. It's a pretty divided nation we have. And, and strangest of all, can you read that, Jack? Can you read that? All right, mom initially says, right, this was in August. You say, mom, I don't want to go back to school. And then come August 20, when can I go back to school? just to change, right? And I think this dark time, Christmas, we need to, a little Christmas to lighten our days. So my sermons this Christmas season are be around the theme of lights and how appropriate I think about our, our stage here, right? That we have, we have these lights predominantly on these uh, Christmas trees and we have the, the light in the back of the cross, and uh, this slide here is just, just bright and light. We're just going to talk about lights of Christmas this year. And this morning, I'm just going to talk about, oops, we're going to go here, that Christmas is light this morning. This Christmas is light. That is, Christmas shines in, in a dark place. To give us understanding and joy and hope in these difficult days. And, and I think it's totally appropriate for us really to, to be looking at the theme of, of light I hear this this Christmas season, because Christmas is all about light coming into the world. John 1, 4 and 5, in him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. Uh, John 1, 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Here we have the, the true light, which is Jesus coming into the world. He came to break through the darkness. That's what Isaiah 9 verse 2 says. The, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a, a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. So the, the whole motif of Christmas is that, is that the world is in darkness and the light has come into the world to shine on that darkness, to lighten it up. A few verses later, in fact, in chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7, we see that a son is born to us, a child is born to us. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. The child who is the light came to those who walked in darkness, which makes our year, 2020, the year of darkness, especially appropriate year for us to consider this theme of, of light. And I, I hope that these Christmas messages just bring hope to all of us. Because there is a way that Christmas brings hope into our lives. Have you heard the story about Christmas Day 1914? You've heard that story? I know, Jake, you have. Anyone else? Jerry, you have. A couple of you guys have. It's really an amazing story. Fighting was on every side. Uh, World War One started in 1914, so we're about six months into the war. Christmas is coming up, and... Um, uh, Pope Benedict the Fifteenth even suggested a temporary hiatus of the war from, for the celebration of Christmas, and the commanders of each of the armies were like, "No, no, that's that's a bad idea. We're not doing that." But for the soldiers on the ground who were who were in their their trenches, who were sopping wet and cold, they had other ideas. They needed hope. <clears throat> in some places, on the Western Front, on Christmas Eve, Germans placed candles. ...on their trenches. So, so the Allies were looking out... ...and the, the Germans had the candles on the trenches there. They're seeing the lights there. Uh, and then on their makeshift Christmas trees... ...they got candles burning on the trees as well. And as they look over there... ...and then they start hearing something. They start hearing Christmas carols being sung. And, and so they would sing one... ...and then the, the British would sing one... ...and it would go back and forth. And they were sending Christmas greetings to each other. The, they would say from Germany... ...Merry Christmas, Englishmen... And they'd wish a Merry Christmas back. And then came some meetings in no man's land, even on Christmas Eve, with small gift exchanges like tobacco and alcohol and buttons and hats and sort of souvenirs. And Christmas Day was more of the same. It was really incredible. Captain Robert Miles wrote in his journal on Christmas Day, he wrote this, We are having the most extraordinary Christmas Day imaginable. A sort of unarranged and quite unauthorized, but perfectly understood and scrupulously observed truce exists between us and our friends in front. The funny thing is that it only seems to exist on this part of the battle line. On our right and our left, we can hear them firing away as cheerfully as ever. The thing started last night, a bitter cold night, with white frost. Soon after dusk, when the Germans shouted shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us, and of course our fellows shouted back, and presently large numbers on both sides had left their trenches unarmed and met in the debatable, shot-riddled, no-man's-land between the lines. Here's the agreement. All on our own came to be made that we should not fire at each other until after midnight tonight. The men were all fraternizing in the middle. We naturally did not allow them too close to our line, and we swapped cigarettes and lies in the utmost good fellowship, and not a shot was fired all night. It's really the strange lure of what Christmas can bring. It's, it's a bit of hope in a in a sorry situation. In fact, uh, here's an actual picture of that day. Now, this wasn't every place. It's kind of even that's why I chose that quote. There were pockets of places where where this peace, this Christmas truce, um, came to happen. And a Scottish soldier recalled just how strange it was. He wrote this. He says, I remember the silence, the eerie sound of silence. All I'd heard for two months in the trenches was this hissing, cracking and whining of bullets in flight, machine gun fire and distant German voices. But there was a dead silence that morning right across the land as far as you could see. We shouted Merry Christmas, even though nobody felt merry The silence ended early in the afternoon and the killing started again, and it was a short peace in a terrible war. A short peace in a terrible war. That's the the light of Christmas. It's even able to give like this short peace in a terrible war with people who aren't predominantly religious, um, but it was short-lived. And now when the generals heard from each side of what took place, they denounced it. And warning the future, fraternizing with the enemies would be considered treason and dealt with accordingly, meant death. Treason, of course, means that. Thus, there were no Christmas truces throughout the rest of the war. Not in 1915, not in 1916, not in 1917, nor 18. But for that moment, for that day, the soldiers of both sides knew and experienced a temporary peace. And now, of course, this morning, I'm not advocating this uh, peaceful feeling on... Christmas Day that then is gone the next day. I, I'm, I'm not advocating just setting up lights for this facade of peace and happiness and joy. I'm advocating for the true Christmas light for Jesus. And by way of outline this morning, I simply want to look at two men that knew that Christmas was bringing light. And the first of those is Zechariah. So you can open your Bibles, if you have them, or turn them on, or do whatever you do, uh, to Luke chapter 1. It's where his story is told. Zechariah was a, a priest in the days of Herod, and uh, you can his story begins right there after the, the prelude in Luke chapter one and verse five. It says, "In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and his wife, from the daughters of Aaron and her family, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And these verses really set up the drama of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. He was a priest of the line of Aaron. She was of the line of Aaron as well. <clears throat> they were Levites, ordained uh, of the Lord to offer up sacrifices on behalf of the people. He, he, was, he was old. Elizabeth was barren. They had no children. And then we pick up their story. Zechariah was the the chosen priest to enter. He was was chosen by lot to enter into the Holy of Holy place. To offer that once a year sacrifice. For sins of himself and then for the sins of the nation. And it was on that occasion that as Zechariah entered through that veil into the Holy of Holies the priest to enter that year, that the people were outside, verse 11 says, the whole multitude of people were praying outside, and when Zechariah entered, he encountered not just the altar, but he encountered an angel of the Lord. Not not what he was expecting. He was expecting to be in there alone, and yet he saw this angel. He, he was expecting to, to go through that veil and then to, to flick the blood on the altar seven times with his finger for himself, and Then for the people, but he saw this angel and it struck him with fear. And then this angel speaks to him in verse 13, says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John and you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for you'll be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of, his children, of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children, to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now that's good news. In fact, that's what it says in verse 19, that I'm bringing you this good news. Uh, th- that's good news. The angel said his wife, he and his wife would have a child. That's great news for barren people. That would have been good enough. But the angel also said "This son is going to be a man of influence. He's going to be great before the Lord, verse 15. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 15. He's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah, in verse 17. He's the one who would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, verse 17. Now, it brings great joy to my heart whenever I hear of my children doing well. I just think of my my two oldest are are married, and they they married well and they 're doing well in their businesses. Chris is doing well in her teaching and her photography business sr is doing doing well in his youtube job they 're thriving in their churches they 're walking with the lord and my younger three children as you all mature and find a spouse someday and and work and get off of mom and dad 's payroll will be really sort of a nice nice sort of day. It'll do my heart well. To see you guys walking with the Lord and serving Christ. That's yet to come. We don't know how all that's going to work out, but we continue to pray for them daily. The Lord would guide them through times of transition to adulthood. But think about this. Here was Zechariah, even before the child was conceived, was was being told about this man, the son that would be born, and how he'd be great. And, and, And what a great blessing that is, that your son would be great in this world, even before he was conceived. But Zechariah was unbelieving. He doubted the words of the angel. Verse 18: Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. In other words, right, this is really true. I, I was in God's presence, and I came to you with this message. And behold, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. As a result of his unbelief, he was mute until he saw these words come true. And so Zechariah then departed from the Holy of Holies. He came out and the multitude was was there trying to understand why it was he was delayed, as verse 21 speaks about. And all he could do was motion to them. He couldn't tell them anything. And so they discerned that he'd seen this vision of, a, of an angel. And, and then soon afterwards, we find that his time of, si- of service was, was done in the temple. He went to live in his home in the hill country of Judea. And then everything begins to happen before his eyes. You, you just think about that. Elizabeth conceives. And she's about six months pregnant. And then another pregnant woman shows up at their house. It's Mary. And uh, Zechariah got to hear the story of Mary how Gabriel had visited her and told her how she would conceive a son, her virginity. And that all, all took place. And, and here they are. And all this time, Zechariah couldn't speak. And when you can't speak, what do you do? You listen and you think. And being a priest, he could read. He had access to the scriptures. And I'm sure he read things like Isaiah 7:14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and uh, shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And and working through Mary's situation in her mind, right? Emmanuel, this is God with us. This is this is the Savior coming to redeem. He's, he's coming. And, and then thinking about Malachi 3.1. I'll send my messenger, he'll prepare the way before me. And John was going to be that messenger who's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah, who's coming first. He, in fact, John is. He's six months older than Jesus. And he's going to come and prepare the way, and then the Ma- Messiah is going to come. He's thinking all these things. Nine months of thinking. And then the day comes for Elizabeth to give birth. And it was a son. Like those days he didn't have ultrasound. If it was a girl, it would have been like, oh, all oh, this was fantasy. But no, it was a son. It's like like he believed. And he believed. And his belief was demonstrated at the circumcision of, of John. Zechariah insisted that his name be John, even against the protest of many others. No, his name will be John. And then verse 64 says, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke, blessing God. And uh, look at what he said. It's contained in verses 68 through 69, 79 and uh, 67 sets the scene. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying this. First, he speaks about Jesus, verses 68 through 75, and then he speaks about John In verses 76 through 79. We're going to spend a little bit of time on Jesus. Spend maybe a little bit more time on John. Here it is. Jesus. Zechariah. Speaking of Christ. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Now, if you just read that and you understand the big themes of Scripture, you see how how well Zechariah is just saturated in the themes of Scripture, that the gods a redeeming God. Verse 68, who's bringing salvation through the house of David. Verse 69, and all praise and glory and honor is due God. Verse 68, the God will save Israel from their enemies. Verse 71, showing them mercy. Seventy two, according to the promises that he promised to Abraham. I mean, this is a big sweep of of the story of the Bible is that God created a world and has destroyed through Noah. And then then the world's going astray. But he selects, he picks this Abraham out and promises to bless him. To redeem him. And then, and then there's this, this, this idea of a Savior and a Messiah coming to redeem Israel from their troubles. And that's what he's saying. It's going to come. This, the seed of Abraham is going to come. It's going to redeem Israel. It's going to save the people of Israel so that they might serve God, verse 74, in righteousness, verse 75, all their days. Here's a permanent redemption. And that's clear gospel truth. See, it's not that Israel was sufficient to save themselves. They, they were lost in darkness and they walked their own way. But God broke through in his mercy, according to the promises, sent a Savior who had come and redeemed them from their sins. And that's true for us today, right? In the gospel that we can't save ourselves. We need God to save us. And the Savior indeed has come. He's Jesus to come and save us from our sins. We simply need to trust him. Then he segues here in verse 76 to talk about John. And you, child, he's looking right there at John. He says, "You, child. Will be called the prophet of the most high. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins this is John preparing the way for Jesus, just as Malachi had promised, just as we read in Isaiah 40 today, the forerunner coming first, going to promise. And you remember how John was preparing that way? He's out in the Jordan River and the crowds were coming to him and he's preaching them a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, right, right, repent and demonstrate that and be baptized and immersed as an example of that. And he was there, right, preparing the way of the Lord. You can read about that in, in chapter three. In fact, in chapter 3 and and verse 4, it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. That's Isaiah 40 that Troy read for us this morning. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And so you say, why, why was he doing this? And Zechariah continues on in verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. And here's finally where we see Zechariah and this theme of light coming. These are his final words. After Zechariah says this, he speaks nothing else in all the Bible for our recording. It's almost as if like, this is the message he's leaving us. is this message of light and the message of hope. That John is there. He's preparing the way for the Messiah to come. He, he pictures his day of this dawning of the Messianic age as a, a sunrise. And you know what a sunrise is like, right? It's dark all night long. In fact, it's been really long. And uh, slowly, it just begins to, to lighten up a little bit. And, and slowly, it, you begin to see the influence of a light coming around. And eventually, the sun pops up from the, from the horizon and comes up slowly. And then, then after you know, a, a little bit, the sun is up. And then the, it's total light out. And come in a few hours, there it is, way above us, and the sun, the light, lightens everything up. And that's what he said, what's happening. He says it like the sunrise. His time in redemptive history was right when John was there. Jesus hadn't even been born yet. But as Jesus was then born, the sun is is rising, and it's getting lighter and lighter and brighter and brighter with Jesus coming. It's the dawning of the, the messianic age. It was dawning so that we are walking in darkness and death might be Guided in the ways of peace, and I think there 's no better words for us this Christmas season in 2020 than to to hear of this with this year facing so many problems and difficulties and hardships. Uh, one I forgot to mention was that our my pool league was cancelled that was that was really bad, so i 've not been able to play competitive pool for some while, but i 've been playing my pool downstairs <laughs> playing too much, but by myself, but it' only goes so far but but it's interesting that, that last year um, someone else named our team. We were called the Holy Rollers. And uh, because I and another guy were a Christian on this team and we're like the only Christians light in this dark place. And uh, but this year the guy said, Well, you know, we ought to change our name, it ought to be twenty twenty train wreck was the name of our going to be the name of our, our pool team. We'll have to wait another year for that. But with so many problems and difficult those hardships, Christmas light It's going to to help us through this so we might not stumble and fall and struggle and strive. But Christmas being light helps us to put a reminder where our hope is in light of all of 2020 and in light of all the difficulties. And that's what Zechariah is saying. It's giving light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. How appropriate is it for us when we light the second advent candle that's all about peace? Right? That, that the light shines so we might walk in peace. And and I think one of the biggest struggles of COVID, biggest struggles of, of unemployment, of all the contention strife in our world, is peace, a lack of peace. And yet the light has shined to give us this peace. It's appropriate today. Well, I want to turn our attention next to Simeon. And his story is told in Luke chapter 2. So you can just push forward there. Um, his story really picks up in verse 25, but the context picks up in 22. So let's, let's pick up verse 22. At this point, Jesus is born, and he's circumcised, but Mary has not been cleansed yet of her birth. It's about 40 days later, probably, that Jesus is brought into the temple. It says in verse 22, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, that is Leviticus 12, about 40 days after birth, They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so they brought Jesus up to be presented before the Lord because he was the firstborn, the one that opened a womb. And uh, they could have sacrifices, whether it's a bull or a ram or a lamb, or if you're poor, pigeons and turtle doves. And they were poor, and so they offered up pigeons and turtle doves. Picture Jesus, 40-day-old baby, not walking, not talking, barely able to focus his eyes, but eating and sleeping is about doing all that he's, he does every day. And brings this baby... And a man named Simeon comes up. Now, we don't know anything about Simeon. We're, we're told in verse 24, 25 and 26. Now, there's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd see the Lord's Christ. And Simeon here it's, calls him a righteous man. That means he was walking according to the, the law, worshiping the Lord, seeking to serve others. He was righteous. He was devout. Probably speaks about how, how he loved God and loved the people of God and loved the activity of God, loved the work of God. So he loved the temple and the, the Temple Mount. It's no accident that they found him in the temple that day. He may even have been a prophet. As it says here, the Holy Spirit revealed to him directly that he would not die before he sees the Christ. And because of this revelation, he was, it says in verse 25, waiting For the consolation of Israel. That is waiting for the Messiah to come and restore and help Israel. Now, he may have been a a priest. Uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be blessed in the temple. Um, Simeon seemingly took up that role. It almost seems as if Simeon just kind of came and and, uh, more approached them than them approaching Simeon. We don't know, but he very well could have been a, a priest. But we read in verse 27 and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. So so somehow there's this, this baby, they saw Jesus and then he, he comes and he somehow I don't know how he knows that this baby is the Christ. But he knows that this baby is the Christ. And he said, verse 29, he says, Lord Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And here we get the idea that he's probably old. He's promised he wouldn't he wouldn't die until he sees the Messiah. Now he sees the Messiah. He says, now I'm ready to die. It's probably an older, an older man or young man wouldn't say that. Because he says, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your Christ This baby, the very one that we celebrate at Christmas, who is the Christ, this is Jesus. He sees, he calls it, I've seen your salvation. And he says earlier, right, he wouldn't die before he sees the Christ. I've seen your salvation, which is in the Christ, which is Jesus. You know, oftentimes we think about when did Jesus reveal himself as the Christ? John 4, the woman at the well. I, of whom you're speaking, am he. Speaking out the Messiah, but... But here's the first time that's revealed really publicly that he is the Christ. That Simeon knows this. And Anna was uh, was uh, giving thanks to the Lord, as it says in verse 38. Coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And she was just kind of watching around. And Simeon says, yes, I see. And, and she's understanding this is the one. And old Anna Is right there and she's rejoicing because the redemption of Israel is coming as well. And then we see. The message of light, just like Zechariah had done. Verse 31. My eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Here it is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And so Simeon says this, that light has come, that this baby is light. It has brought salvation. It's bringing salvation in accordance to all that God had prepared. Verse 31, that this is God preparing in the presence of all the peoples. And, and, and then Simeon right, describes this light as being a revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel, for the salvation for the Jews and for the Gentiles. Are just even right here. Why the Gentiles are mentioned first? I don't exactly know why. But in other words, that says it's coming to us. The salvation is coming to us, Gentiles. Right? And there's the gospel. This little baby, there's Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the Christ who's bringing light and redemption to us if we but believe. And there's Christmas light. And I just encourage you this, this Christmas time really to think about how Christmas is light and to, to think about right, ways in which Christmas is light. And when you're doubting and when you're discouraged, right, just, just force yourself to, to really think about the realities of that. We sang earlier, um, I Heard the Bells <clears throat> on Christmas Day, written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And Probably many of you have heard this story as well, but it, it, it bears repeating because it's perfect for our situation here. 2020, time of, of unrest, anxiety, difficulty, hardship in our hearts. And he was facing that too. He was facing depression. He was facing difficulty and hardship. And there's a way in which Christmas is light. He was pushing light in, um, in on his own soul. It was 1861. So what's happening in the world 1861? Anyone know? Civil war is happening. And uh, he fell in depression. And he fell in depression right when his second wife, Frances, died. She she'd been sealing some, some envelopes with some hot wax, you know, no stick stick'em like we have today, sealing the, the envelopes, and her, her clothes caught on fire and she was burning and he came in rushed to try to help her like the valiant knight and tried to help and his clothes started on fire too, and, and by the time hers were out, She burned beyond recovery, and she died the next day. And he was burned so badly as well. He was too sick to go to the funeral, and that's why he um, grew a beard, because his face was marred. He had burn marks uh, along his face. Mentally, he was in in depression. So that was 1861. By 1862, Christmas, here's what he wrote in his journal. He could write 2020, right? A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me just so so so. picture right as so we're in the darkness of 2020 thinking about just light of christmas how it needs to be He is not for me and then in 1863 the next year his son charlie goes off to fight the civil war against his father's wishes he, he didn't want him to go because of the the risk and because he didn't just want that and some beliefs and whatever and and uh, he went ahead and fought and uh Longfellow feared for his son's future. He lost his wife. He doesn't want to lose his child either. And in June, Charlie came down with a fever. And so he went to Washington to get Charlie to bring him home. I'm not sure where he lived, how long a journey that was. But he recovered the summer and then went back again. And here is like like anybody who sends their their son or daughter into war. It's a difficult time. And then in November of 1863, Charlie's unit was engaged in battle. And he was shot. The bullet... Shot him through from back to shoulder, just nicking his spine. So he's got this, this right on through him. A bullet went through. And Longfellow, again, retraveled traveled to Washington to retrieve his son from the hospital. And, and they arrived back home. their their Cambridge home, I guess, is where they are. I'm not sure where Cambridge is with respect to Washington. But they returned back home on December 8th. And Longfellow just spent this month-long process of trying to nurse his son. who Had a big bullet wound back to health. And, and then he wrote... Um, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And here's what it was. He's he's going through this depression. His wife has died. His son is injured. You know, wasn't Mary? He he isn't that. And then he found, just as he heard these bells ringing, coming Christmas, he's like, ah, that's it. That's it. That's how I can get out of my depression. It's what can help me. So he wrote this poem. And we sang it earlier. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. So here's Christmas Day, and back then they had churches, right, more, and the, and the bells would ring out loud. Maybe we need to put a big bell tower here. to bring I'm not sure. Speakers would work just fine. But their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So he's just hearing the churches ring out these bells of all the Christmas hymns. Silent night, holy night. Or others. It came upon a midnight clear that we, we sang here. Angels we have heard on high. All these, all these different Christmas songs, singing them, he says, wild and sweet, but over and over, right? Peace on earth, goodwill to men is what, is what was promised. You, you can even see that in, in Luke chapter 2 about glory to God in the highest. Chapter verse, verse 14, on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace in Christmas time, they, they go together. That's what he said. He said, I heard them. And then he says, second stanza, I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Right, Regardless of what's happening in my life, all these belfries, all these bell towers, they're all just continuing on regardless of where I am. And then he said, and in despair, I bowed my head. Here is this depression that is in him, this difficulty, this hardship, this darkness coming overhead. And he said, like he had said a year earlier in uh, 1682, he, he said, There is no peace on earth. He said, Because right in the middle of the Civil War, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Here we sing about peace on earth, goodwill to men, and what's happening in our country? We got the North fighting the South and all these people losing their lives. This hate is strong. It can't be right. Then he says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to men. In other words, what he's saying is that those bells are going on, and if there is hate in the world, and if there is, everything is not right there, and it is unrest, a time of unrest. No, no, God is not dead. That's what those those songs sing. That's what the light of Christmas is about. That's what Zechariah's story is about. That's what Simeon's story is about. Is that God is not dead. He's not sleeping. The wrong will be subdued. They will fail. And the right will succeed. They will prevail. Then, ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night, darkness to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And there's the peace, and there's the hope, and there's the light that our lights of Christmas ought to bring to our souls. So it just is interesting, even here, the theme of light coming in these stories of Zechariah and Simeon. And next week, we're going to look at Jesus' light. And just He's the light that comes into the world. Um, It's going to be our theme through Christmas and even into Christmas Eve. We're planning to have a Christmas Eve service. Not sure how that's going to work out. I think it will work out just fine. Um, A Christmas Eve service just right here. Just continuing this theme of light. So just this Christmas season, maybe as 2020 has got on you, and even as now we're going back down more into lockdown. We're on tier three right now. Things are getting worse and worse. Just listen to the bells. And hear the bells ringing. And look at the lights. When you drive by your neighborhood and you see the lights on the trees, just see, realize that that's the, the constant theme that says God is not dead. That, that, that wrong will fail and rights prevail of peace on earth goodwill to men. So let's pray. Father, I pray this Christmas season that uh, in, in every way, we would trust your, uh, your message of light that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, God, may the light prevail in our lives, uh, that the circumstances that are are facing us, of uh, cooped up kids maybe, or of tensions in the home, or of uh, financial straits, or of anxieties about the future of our nation, about all those things, I pray that we would see that uh, Christmas is bigger than all of them, and that uh, the light of Christmas will shine and will prevail, and in that we can trust and rest